Amen. Amen. Okay, so real quick, man, can you bring up the bring them slide? Welcome to Elevate. We meet every Thursday. There you go. Seth is right, like always. No, we meet every Friday at what time? Siete a la noche, right? En la noche. Siete en la noche. Right, Abdi? Thank you, Abdi. I got confirmation from you. Amen. We meet there. So, so guess what, guys? We're on Facebook. If you are watching on Facebook Live, we wish you were here. Everybody, turn to that camera right there and just say, we wish you were here. Even though they can't really see you. Maybe wait. Amen. Amen. But guess what? Look to your neighbor and be like, I'm glad you're here. Amen. And I'm glad you guys are here. I love seeing all your faces. Miranda, blessed to see you right now. Brian, Melanie, Ariana, my man right here, Julian, Victor. Yes, Victor. Amen. All you guys, all you guys, all you guys. I can't name you guys everyone because then, then that would be the whole service, right? So, but here's the thing, right? We meet here. What do we meet here for? Is it just to make friends or is it to learn about Jesus or is it both put together in an awesome blend? Both put together in an awesome blend. Imagine, right? You got strawberries. Man, I love strawberries. So sweet. But then you got bananas, bro. And then, and then my man, my man, what's that thing you put on a lot of fruit and stuff? Tahin. There you go. You got tahin, right? See, see, you don't think tahin mixes with, and I didn't like it at first. I didn't like it at first. My man, Eric, he put me on. He said, you need to try this with, I think it was kiwi. No, it was cucumber, cucumber. It was what? It was an orange. Oh, my gosh, and I liked it. See, I wouldn't even think that. I don't even remember that. It was good, though. I liked it, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. That was such an awesome blend. But they're not the same. So this is a way. Right here in Elevate, we make friends here, but we learn more about Jesus, and we learn to love him more. So it's an awesome blend. That's why we're having a bring them competition. So here's the thing. What Can anyone come up here and explain to me, right? You will get candy later on, right? Just remind me. Come to me. If you can explain what we're doing for bring them. Julian, I did see your hand first. I did, I'm sorry. I saw your hand, but I saw his hand first. Yeah, but if you don't explain it right, you owe me candy. So I'm going to ask you that. I'm like, hey, we, we, listen, your son, he owes me candy. Okay? Can you explain it? Yeah. So Brigham is a, it's a competition between junior high and uh, elementary. No, no, no. High school. High school. What's after junior high? Middle school? What's after middle school? High school? So it's junior high against high school. And um, there's a competition. Whoever brings the most to church, um, let's say junior high brings the most, they'll get a taco party. And that's it. Yeah, amen, amen. Everybody give it a hand for Julian. You'll get candy. You'll get candy. So here's the thing. Here's the thing, right? Right? Whoever brings the most out of, right, junior high, 11 to 13, if you're not in high school, right? So everyone that's not in high school, that unless you're like 20, 19, and all that, then keep your hand down. That means you, Seth. So here's the thing. He graduated. He, he made it. He got his diploma. So everybody that's not in high school, raise your hand. 
right? So you guys need to bring the most people. You guys got to bring more than everybody in high school. Raise your hand. Come you guys, got, you guys got your work cut out for you. You got your work cut out for you. Y'all got to get to work because we want to make relationships and love Jesus here. So that's the bring them slide. Everybody, everybody say bring them. Bring them, right? So if we can go to our sermon slide, real, sermon slide real quick. We are in a sermon series. Amen. So what is this sermon series called? If y'all can shout it out at me like you're angry. Yes. Amen. Amen. New you, okay? New you. But today we're going to be talking about something specific, right? New, who said that? New view, right? So in recap, if we can go to the slide, uh, the PowerPoint real quick. So in recap, we learned basically that, man, that's really small, but y'all, y'all can see it. So the new you review, I made that up. It's a bar. Coin that real quick. So the old, right, is dead, dark, and enslaved. The new is alive, in the light, and free. Okay? So that's plain and simple. It's a, it's, imagine you could draw the line. You're either in the old part of living, right, that, that's going to be swept away with, or you're in the new with Jesus in Christ. So here's the thing. If we can go to the, back to the sermon slide, that's what we learned last week. We learned that you're either dead, right, or alive. You're either in the dark or in the light. You're either enslaved or you're free, plain and simple, no in-between, right? You can't be like, man, I'm a slave, but I'm also free on the weekends, no, you ain't free on the weekends. You ain't. You can't be like, hey, man, I'm in the dark, but I'm definitely seeing something light. Nope, nope, you're not. You're not. You can't be like, man, I'm in my grave, but guess what, man? I'm still able to watch a Netflix series. Nope, that's not true. You're either dead or alive, in the light or in the dark. You're either enslaved or free. That's what we learned last week. Today, though, we will be speaking about, and, and of course, continuing the same idea of identity. Well, today we'll be speaking about the new view, right? Because once you have a new you, you have a new view, okay? You are viewing the world differently. So everyone views the world in a certain way. No one is all of a sudden like this, man. Like, like when people are like, man, I don't see color. I just see, you know, I just see, you know, love or whatever. That's not true. I'm going to be honest. Well, you're darker than me, Right? You're lighter than me. You're lighter than me, right? This is just the truth, right? Color is nothing to be ashamed of. You're, you got a culture. I have a culture. You know what I'm saying? So we have a different view. We view it through our culture a lot of times. We view it through what we've been through. We view it through what we believe. Everybody views the world a certain way. That's just the truth. That's how we do it. However, you are in control of how you view the world. So, for example, a lot of people, when they see a dog, right, jumping around, and they're like, they look, you know, and about to jump on you. Some people view that as cute. I view that as dangerous because I have allergies. So I run away. Not even joking, right? I don't really pet dogs anymore, man. Ever since this fall, I've been just hit with a lot of allergies. I kind of stay away from that. So I don't really view dogs as cute as much as I used to. But, you know, some of you view them as cute. But then here's, here's on the flip side, right? A lot of you guys may view, uh, let's say a lot of you guys may view uh, certain, you know, presidents like Donald Trump. Some of you may say, man, that's my president, ride or die right there. Some of you be like, man, this dude needs to get impeached, right? So we may view people certain ways, right? Then a lot of us, you know, we, a lot of us, we've come through uh, different backgrounds of religion. Some of us, I don't really know. I'm, I'm actually, I don't think any of us were Muslim at one point. I was not Muslim at one point, despite of what someone said on this mic a couple weeks ago. I was not Muslim at any point in my life. 
Uh, but some of us, we were Catholic. We viewed Christ a certain way. We viewed God and religion a certain way. And then some of us, right, we view the world in lots of different ways. We view sexuality in different ways. Some of us, we believe, man, a man can be with a man. A woman can be with a woman. Some of us believe, right, that, hey, if, uh, if, you know, if it feels good, it is good type of thing. We view things that way. Uh, and some of us don't. So here's the thing. What is the correct view? And what I'm presenting you today is that we all need to have a new view once we are new you. If we go to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 17, it says, So from now on, we regard, you can even say view here, no one from a worldly point of view. Let's say that together. So from now on, so one, two, three, and on the count of three. One, two, three. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Continue. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Then it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. So that's the verse prior. And I wanted to hit on this because, listen, how do we as new creations, right? I'm speaking to believers here. How do we view people? How do we view Christ? And how do we view the world now? We no, longer view it from, we no longer view it from the world. So we no longer view it from a worldly standpoint. We view it from the new creation standpoint. I know that's like, man, that really doesn't make sense. That's why we're going to learn today. Everybody say, we're going to learn. We're going to learn. We're going to receive 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 12, please. If you can go there and if you got your Bibles, you got your Bibles, wave them in the air. Hey, not a lot of Bibles, okay? So I'm going to ask you guys, turn to 2 Corinthians 5, 11 through 12. If you have a Bible, if you have a phone, I really don't see the point. Just look up right here, please. <laughs> Just the truth. So it says right here, since then, everybody say, since then. We know what it is to fear the Lord. We all know what it means to fear the Lord. We learned about that not so long ago. We try to persuade others. What we are is difficult to God. What we are is confusing to God? Help me out here. What does it say right there? What we are is what? Plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience, right? We are not trying to commend ourselves. That means boasting ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, to boast in us. So we're not trying to do it, but we're giving you a reason to, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the hearts. So if you can go back to the last verse, a couple points I want to, to share with you guys is that we view people, right, different now. What we are, first of all, because when we view the world, we have to have a right view of ourselves, okay? We have to understand who we are. A lot of us, we come from backgrounds where we were talked down a lot to. Some people told us we wish you were never born. We wish you would die. We, we don't want to have, have anything to do with you. Some of us have had parents walk out on us. Some of us had had uh, people turn their back on us. So we feel a sense of, like, worthlessness. We feel like, man, there's really, I, I have a low, you have a low view of yourself, not just slow, but it's called self-abasement. That means you really hate yourself. And this right here is actually not how God views us. You see, it says in, uh, if we can go to Psalm 139, 13 through 16, I'm kind of skipping right here. Uh, it says right here, we have to view ourselves from the image of God. We have to understand who we are as God made us. And he, this is a beautiful thing. This is literally what God's saying to us. He's saying, for you were created 
uh, you, for you created my inmost being. So this is a man speaking to God. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Get that picture. God creating you, right? Everything, everything you hate about yourself that you think is so wrong, your nose, right? Your forehead, right? Your five head, your six head, your eight head, right? Your, your, your heights, everything about you, God stitched it together in, his, in your mother's womb. And, and, and it, was, it was, what was his behavior while he was doing it? Think about this. You ever seen someone, you ever seen that dude from Woody when he fixed up Woody and everything? You ever saw how he put Woody together and he was like, and he was so concentrated. He was so fixated. But literally, literally, right? But that's how God made you. There's no error. There's no mistake. God fearfully and wonderfully made you. And it says right here, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He, listen, we are works of God. We are handiwork of God. God, his image is in us. You want proof of God? Look in the mirror. God made you. So his works are wonderful. We have to understand that we cannot be all of a sudden dragged down by the lies of this world. Listen, everybody's have an idea of beauty. Back in the day, they thought if you, if you kind of had, you know, stretch marks, right, and you kind of like, you know, were a little bigger, right, they thought you were the most beautiful person in the world. Did y'all know that? In Rome, they thought that. They thought that. that in their statues, it's not someone who's uh, 110 pounds, uh, and I'm, I'm skinny myself, right? But it's someone who's bigger. But then in other places, right, it's someone who's very thin. Everybody has subjective ideas of beauty, but what does that all matter? Because God made us all. God made us all. Everyone has their own idea, but the truth is God made us all. We're all precious in his sight. But then we even, let's scratch the surface because that's surface level. What you look like won't matter in 10, 30, 40, 50 years because, listen, you can be beautiful, right? And, and I know we got plastic surgery and all that, but you see what that do to some people. Y'all know Lil' Kim? Uh, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. stop. Yeah, that might be too old for you guys, but I'm going to stop there. But here's the thing. When we get older, we sag. We have bags. We look all the things we thought beautiful about ourselves. That's still long gone. But here's the thing. What does God think? 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. So this is literally... How God chose a king, it says, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. What is, God doesn't look at what? He doesn't. He's not paying attention to your Jordans. He don't care how you dress. He don't care that you got the, the greatest iPhone. He don't care that you got iPods. He doesn't care if you got good makeup, your contour on point. He don't care. He don't care if you got nice clothes, a big car, a nice house. He does not care. God doesn't look at those things. He really doesn't. You can look good to everyone else, to yourself, but what does God look at? People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, the heart and now everybody got a good heart. I'm going to be honest. You ever met someone who's super, like, attractive, but, man, you, once you get around and you start talking to them, you're like, dang, I cannot stand you. You are annoying. You got some issues. You hate people. You're jealous. You're this, you're that, you're that. You're like, we can go down the line. I don't really agree with, you know, saying all that about people. But you get the point. The outward appearance does not matter to God at all. 
It doesn't. What you have, what, you, what you're able to gather up in life, that really does not matter to God. You know how many video games you got? That doesn't matter to God. How many, how, the, the TV you got, man, you got kids that are like, honestly, I'm going to be, and I'm, I don't mean no disrespect. I know kids that are super broke, and they honestly are living on welfare, but they brag about what they got. They brag about what they got. They brag about how much money they got. They brag about how, uh, what the other, and then they t- talk down on other people. They look at people for their appearance. And this right here is not how God looks at people. And listen, you got to understand, God is rich. God has the right to boast. God has, listen, he owns all the money in the world. You, you, you think you worked? You think you got money? God owns the money you got, and he owns even more. He owns the cat on a thousand hills, right? So listen, this is the thing, is that God still looks at the heart. So what do we do as people? How do we view ourselves, and how do we view others? How do we do that? It's a question to you guys. I'll give you guys the thing. I'll give you 50 seconds, okay? I want you to talk amongst yourselves. How do you view people starting at now? So look to your neighbor. Be honest, too. I mean, this is a convicting thing for all of us. Ten seconds. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six. All right, guys. So listen, if I have your elevate. So we all have, we've all, you guys are probably, there's probably different things. Maybe you guys were just super to the point like, man, I just view the image of God. Like, you sure you don't see anything? No, the image of God. And I'm saying it in a joke, but that's the truth. That's how we have to view it. And here's the thing. Sometimes we see people for their race. Like, a lot of us, we don't really understand because we don't spend time with people that don't look like us. So when we see someone who, who you know, like, for example, some of us who come from a Caucasian background, they may come to a Mexican and they might be like, man, you just like tacos, you just like this, and they're just judging them from a worldly point of view. And then sometimes, you know, if you come from a black background, you may come to a white person and be like, man, you just like Taylor Swift, and you just like, you know, listen to country. We may come with these stereotypes, these pre-understood things, and we may think that they're right. But the Bible's saying that this is actually wrong, that we cannot look at people from a worldly point of view. We can't have a view that is worldly. We have to see people for their heart. And what that takes a lot of times is to know people. It takes conversation. You have to view, in order to view people correctly, you have to know them, right? So this is what I'm encouraging you guys to do is first and foremost, view yourself how God views you, right? It's from the heart. He made you. God's not like, man, dude, I wish I would have made her nose a little bit straighter. Or, man, I wish I would have made him like six foot five. Then he'd make it to the NBA and he'd be on the bulls. No, I'm joking. So here's the thing, right? He doesn't view us like that. He views us how he made us. So here's the thing. We have to understand that about ourselves, but then we have to go deeper. Look at our hearts, right? Look at our hearts. How is our heart compared to God? Because if you view people how the world views people, guess what? 
you might be a little, you might be a little wrong in your view. You may have an old view. Because the old view looks at your race. Oh, you're from this neighborhood? Oh, you look like that? Oh, you're this type of person. Oh, you know what? You're, you're this culture? That means you're that type of person. Oh, you, you ain't, you kind of talk feminine? That must mean you gay. Oh, oh, wait, you dress like a guy? Oh, that must mean you're quiet and timid. They ain't got nothing to say. You get what I'm saying? Like, we, we all have these pre people have all these thoughts about us, and we have all these thoughts about people, but we're no longer supposed to think that way. We're supposed to see people from the heart. And if we do it any type, uh, type of other way, right, if we think about ourselves, no, I'm ugly, God, you messed up, you're in pride. If you think, oh, man, that person is wrong in life, that person is disgusting, right, I can't deal with those type of people, you're in pride. You need to repent. Because here's the thing, God does not look like that upon people. God does not look at their culture. He doesn't look at their race. He doesn't look at the skin color. He doesn't look at anything else but their hearts. And he acknowledges everyone made in different colors. He thinks it's beautiful. And in heaven, there's going to be all types of different skin colors, all types of, of tribes and cultures and tongues. Everybody's speaking different types of language, praising God. But the only thing that mattered on earth was their hearts. Only thing. So how do you view others and people? Plain and simple, how do you? Do you view people by, their, by their, their, their wealth, by how they dress, by how they smell? Like all these shallow things that literally don't matter. Do you view people like that? Or do you view them as the image that they're made in, the image of God? Do, do you view them as God views them? Do you view yourself as God views you? We have to see as God sees, not how this world sees anymore. Amen? Amen. So 1 Corinthians 1, 21 to 25 but then also, it says right here in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we once viewed Christ that way. So we once viewed Jesus that way. What kind of way are you talking about, right? It says in 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 21, it says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not know him. That means in all the wisdom they had, how they viewed themselves, how they boasted about themselves. Look, man, I know how to make a Tesla. I know how to make a, a, a rocket ship to fly to space. I know this. I know that. I know, I know everything. But here's the thing. You can know all the knowledge. You can have all the knowledge of the world. You can be the best business man that amount of knowledge will never get you to know God and it says right here you may view yourself as high as you want but it said God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe so this was foolishness right the catch you it was being viewed as foolishness Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom Jews the the, G, the culture Jesus came from they wanted him to perform miracles then they'll believe in him some of you are like that you're like God I'll serve you if you just get me this girl once you get me this girl, God, I swear I'll go to Elevate every Friday. Man, just get me her number, Lord. Just give me, give me a chance. Let me not be rejected as soon as I slide in the DM, Lord. And then some of us, right, we're like, God, I just want some, you know, some money, you know. I just, I want to be able to buy my, my, my PlayStation 4. We have all these things. We're like, God, if you show me a sign, I'll believe in you. Nope. Then the Greeks look for wisdom. Some of us, we think we're smart. We're like, God, I can't really believe in you because, you know, it doesn't make sense how you everywhere but... You hear at the same time, oh, I just can't really understand you, God. You ain't good enough. I, I'm too smart, right? We may think that way. But we preach Christ crucified. Paul was very simple. A stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who God called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. And the weakness of God is stronger than human wisdom. Uh, strength. So here's the thing. 
I didn't really understand this when I first read this a while back, right? I was kind of like uh, some of you with your mouth wide open right now. You're like yawning or whatever. Like, I don't really understand what you're saying, but catch this, catch this. Some of you, for you, Christ ain't doing nothing but tripping you up right now in life. That means Jesus, you are stumbling over everything Jesus says. Jesus says, hey, listen, you got to sell all you have to enter the kingdom of God. You're like, dang, I have a lot of things, trip. Man, don't lust after some, don't last a, lust after the opposite sex in your heart. That's adultery. Man, that girl looks fine. Trip. Oh, listen, you're supposed to love people. Go the extra mile. Oh, man, I don't love people that much. This person irritated me. Trip. So Jesus is almost something that you try to reject, try to ignore, because guess what? Every time you try to live right, you end up stumbling over what he said. You can't follow Jesus. To you, Jesus is an issue. You can follow, you know, Sprinkle of Jesus, that, that app, right, that gives you a little encouragement every morning, right? You can follow that type of Jesus, the one who's just giving you thumbs up. You, you, have a, you, sit, you sinning, you having sex with someone that's not your wife or your husband, Jesus giving you a thumbs up, right? You smoke that blunt, drink that 40, hey, man, Jesus giving you a thumbs up, right? You feeling depressed, let me just cut myself, think about suicide, Jesus giving you a thumbs up, right? Oh, no. But here's the thing. But, but Jesus is always giving a thumbs up. He, this is how he views everybody. No, that's not true. That's not true. For some people, Jesus isn't giving someone a thumbs up. Matter of fact, he's this big old random rock that pops out of nowhere when you're walking. Anybody ever, anybody clumsy in here? I'm pretty clumsy. I trip sometimes. But here's the thing, dude. If you view Christ, right? As a stumbling block, as something that would trip you up, you're going to keep tripping up. If you try to ignore his commands, you try to ignore what his teachings are saying, you try to just do you, make money, get rich, die trying, all that stuff, guess what? You're going to end up tripping up. You try, to, you try to boast yourself up, think you're something of yourself when you're really not, you're going to end up tripping up. You try to play this religious hypocritical game, you're going to end up tripping up. So for some, Jesus is a stumbling block. That's how you view him. That's how they viewed him. Then for others, it's foolishness. Why would, my, why would a God, all-powerful, all-knowing, come as a man? Not only just a man, right, but as a probably, what, there was nothing attractive about him. He wasn't even Brad Pitt. He wasn't, he wasn't even Justin Bieber. He wasn't even uh, Michael B. Jordan-like. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't even like that. This man was an average-looking dude. He was walking around like everyone else, and then he let himself get crucified. He didn't even have a place to sleep. Wait, what? That's stupid, man. I can't follow that, that type of religion. That's how we view it sometimes. Oh, man, like God, where is he? Where is he, God? Where's God? God, I'm owing to all these problems in my life, man. God, all these people are dying around me. All these things are happening. I, oh, God, where are you? I can't believe in you. It's stupid to believe in you. So we, we think it's foolishness now. That's how we view God, right? That's the old view. But then even in that, it says right here, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. You're thinking that, man, listen, this is a stumbling block. God is wrong. This is weird. But yet God is strong. But yet God is right. God is sovereign. He's always in control. So you're stumbling over that. Then you think God is foolish. Christ is dumb. Like, why would he be crucified? Why do I have to live for you, Jesus? Why do I have to not put love money? Why do I not have to do that? Why can't I serve both masters? That's stupid. So you think it's foolishness, but the whole time, God is wise. 
wiser than you could ever know, wiser than the wisest man. So some of us have had this type of view, but it, what is the view we should have if you go to 1 Peter 2, 7 through 8? So here's the, here's the thing. When you are made new, Christ is no longer tripping you up. That means with the stumbling block you see, you no longer trip over it, but you rest on it. You begin to rest on the rock. That's why Jesus is called the rock. And it says, now to you who believe the stone is precious. That same thing that made you stumble now is precious. It is amazing. It is something you cherish. But those who do not believe the stone the builders rejected have become the cornerstone. That means this is the most important thing in the universe. This is the cornerstone. This is what holds everything together. A stone that causes people to stumble. For you that reject it, it causes you to stumble. And a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. That means God already knew. He already knew you were going to stumble. He already knew it was going to become a rock that would make you fall. He already knew, but it was still there because some of them would understand it, it to be precious and make it the cornerstone of their life. So Jesus, the new view of Jesus is that he is precious, that he is valuable, that you see God and you see meaning, you see purpose, you see Christ on the cross, and you see love. You no longer see a stumbling block. You no longer just see a religion, a dead religion. And many of you came from this type of religion. Many of you came from the Catholic Church. Many of you guys came from just growing up, you know, going to church, not even paying attention. Some of you are still in that place. But this is what it is now. This is how Jesus is known to those who believe he is precious. He is worth your time. He is worth your attention. He is worth your, your worship. You see, Jesus is no longer some stone to be tossed aside Jesus is the cornerstone, the foundation of our life. He's what we build our life on. But here's the thing. If you continue to disobey the message, if you continue to come to elevate, read your Bible, pray, and you harden your heart, you're saying, man, listen, God, I'll follow you, but I'm going to keep stumbling. Guess what? That's all it will be. It will be something that makes you fall. And you'll keep falling the rest of your life, the rest of your life, until you make Jesus your cornerstone, until you view him as precious as precious, as something valuable, it will keep making you stumble. And a lot of you guys, you guys don't even, a lot of you guys know what I mean because you've tried the, I've heard this, I've tried the church thing, I've tried the religious thing, but I always went back. It didn't work for me. It didn't do this. That's because Jesus was still a stumbling block. You didn't view him as precious. You thought it was just a religion you had to go to because your mama told you. You thought Jesus was just someone you had to do because your family brought you up into it. You thought Jesus was just some guy who lived a long time ago that everyone's obsessed with. You didn't view Jesus as precious. You see, a lot of you guys, I'll message you. I'll ask you guys, how are you doing with Jesus? You'll be like, eh, so-so. Because he's not precious. He's a stumbling block. The minute we get into your life, we start saying, oh, you prideful. Oh, man, you think you're all that. Oh, man, you cuss all the time. Oh, man, you, you, you like to smoke weed, don't you? Oh, you like to drink. Oh, you hate people. Oh, yeah, you hate people a lot. You murder them in your heart. We start to see that, that Jesus has become a stumbling block for you, that it's no longer a precious thing. It's a stumbling block. Then some of you guys, you think you're smart. You think you got God figured all, you got, got them all figured out. Man, I'm going to serve God when I'm this age because he's not really worth my teenage years. It's kind of foolishness to give my young life to this God. So you think it's foolishness, but the whole time, man, God is sitting in heaven. The Bible says he scoffs, he laughs. He sits on the throne, and he laughs at all your plans. Laughs at them. Oh, look at I'm just using examples. Look at Brian. 
Just an example, right? Not real. Look at Brian. He thinks he can make it through life without me. I've tried. I've, I've, I've had people preach the gospel to him. He said, nah, I can do it my own way. I don't need to really go to church. I don't really need to be discipled. I don't need to follow Jesus. I can do it my own way. Listen, I can get, I can get a retirement phone by the time I'm 30. Man, I can make money. I can have a set family. I don't need God. It's foolish to put your faith in God. I'm like Bill Gates. I'm like these rappers I see. I don't really need God. That's foolish to do that. All you church people, all you elevated, you guys are stupid. You're dumb for making a Christian club. You're dumb. You should be in sports. Get a scholarship. Oh, you're dumb. You're dumb. You're, you're going to elevate on Fridays? There's a party over here. And the whole time, listen, they stumble and they fall and they try the church thing. They lose because it's just a church thing for them. The whole time, they think they're smart. They're smart. They're smart. But at the end, it's foolish. I just read a verse with someone. Uh, I was reading. A, I was talking to Maris, and I wrote a verse to her, and it says right here that the wealth is worthless. The wealth of the, 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 wealth of the wealthy is worthless on the day of wrath. But the righteous will escape danger. All the wealth you make, everything. It's just foolishness. So here's the thing. As someone who has a new view, you no longer view Christ this way. He is precious. You sit on the rock. When you feel like everything's messing up in life, you feel like you're, you're heavy burden. You feel a lot of pressure at work, a lot of pressure at school. You sit on the precious rock, and Jesus begins to speak encouragement to you. He begins to give you life. He begins to give you direction and purpose. When you feel like, man, I can't really, I'm having a hard time loving my brother. I'm having a hard time loving my sister. My mom keeps cussing me out. My dad left me. I don't know where he's at. You can sit right next to Jesus, the precious cornerstone of everything, of all that has made of your life, and you can begin to feel joy. He can, you can begin to feel a sense of direction. You honestly understand now why you're going through things. Because here's the thing, we'll go through things, through, uh, through things now, and we'll try to make everything else our cornerstone, and guess what? We end up failing, we end up falling, we end up stumbling. But once we come to Jesus, we understand why your dad left you at this age. Right? You understand the plan that God had from you. Year one, year two, year three, all the way to your 15. God was still with you. He was still there waiting for you to view him as precious. So how do you view Christ? Plain and simple. Is he like what I talked about as the old view? Just a religion, just a stumbling block, just foolish. Or is he your cornerstone? Is he the cornerstone of your life? And I'm telling you this right now. You hear this preaching, and this preaching will be what God plays back at you when you're in front of him if you don't repent. You'll be like, man, God, I didn't know. I didn't know I had to put you first, God. I didn't know you, I had to serve you and not serve money. I didn't know that, God. And he's just going to be like, remember, you're told this and elevate. He'll maybe show you a vision of it. And you'll be like, oh, I was. But then this, God, he'll show you. You have no excuse. God is either precious or he's a stumbling block and foolish. You choose. You choose what my Jesus looks like on that cross. You either, you either reject him, you scoff at him, and you walk away, or you sit at his feet. It's up to you. How do you view, how do you view Christ? Can you go to Ephesians 5, 8 through 14? And these things will determine, the new view will determine how you view the world. They're saying this is nothing new. It's because we learned about this, right? For you were once darkness, but now you are let me hear that one time. For you were once, but now you are light in the world. 
live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And th- I mean, you guys are like, why are you repeating the same thing? Well, guess what? It continues. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless, uh, the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So here's the thing. If you've been illuminated, that means you've been not Illuminati. They ain't talking about Illuminati. They're saying YouTube 12 p.m., 12 a.m. They're saying 1 a.m. on YouTube looking at why 50 cents and little Illuminati. This ain't that. This is illumination. Literally, you are becoming a light in the world. What does it say? Everything becomes visible. Everything. That means, dude, you see the world clear. And I remember when I got saved and I started to understand why people acted that way. I no longer started to hate them. I started to feel bad for them. I started to be like, man, Jesus saved them. This person has, this person grew up as an orphan. This person grew up, their mother was always working. Their dad wasn't home. They need you, Jesus. They need you, the heavenly father. You start to see things differently. Then, listen, as light now, you don't view darkness the same. When you've been brought into the light, you don't no longer look at darkness and be like, man, that's a good place. I like to go there for vacation. Man, that's kind of like Florida, man. I like to just make a hammock right here between this dark tree and that dark tree and just swing here forever. No, you see the darkness for what it is. Listen, um, our pastor painted, uh, had a picture one day. Uh, sometimes kids, they like to play with mud, right? Like anybody ever eat mud before when they were a kid? I didn't. I'm not going to raise my I ain't going to join. I, it's okay. <laughs> she like, dang, you ain't going. <laughs> if you raise your hand, it's okay. We all ate some weird things. I'm not going to lie. I remember I had a crush on this girl in fourth grade, and I saw her eating her boogers, and I was like, nah, I ain't about that, right? But here's the thing. We've all, like, seen things, and we thought it was so good. We thought it was so awesome. We're like, so when you're little, you're, like, probably eating this mud. You're like, mm, man, gosh, look at this nutrients. Mm. And then all of a sudden, right, you start to see what it is, and you see the worms coming out. You see everything. It's like the SpongeBob close-ups, right? Like, everyone, like you ever seen the SpongeBob close-ups where all of a sudden you're far away, and then they zoom up on SpongeBob, and he got, like, boogers dripping out. He's, like, messed up and everything. But, that's, but hey, listen, that's what darkness is once you've been made in the light. You, you see pornography, and it's no longer something you get off to anymore. You're like, dude, that's wrong. That's disgusting. I'm literally watching... Two people have sex that I don't know while I'm having sex with myself. You see, yeah, it's nasty, right? But now that you're in the light, you see that for what it is. You see how much of a pervert you are. You see how disgusting you are. You see that you are nothing but disgust. And you start to see, wait, that's not who I am. You start to differentiate between the light and the darkness. You say, I'm in the light now. I'm a child of the light. Then, all of a sudden, right, you see... What's happening in the world? You see a man and a man, they're kissing. You see a woman and a woman, they're married. You begin to see now, wait, hold up, I'm in the light. That's not right. That doesn't add up. When I was in the darkness, I was with it. But now that I'm in the light, I see that, listen, God made man and woman. He didn't make Adam and Steve. He made Adam and Eve. He didn't make Eve and Annabella. He made Eve and Adam. So you start to see this is the order of things. Then, then not only that, it starts to get personal. You start to see your house. You start, you start to see how your dad's never home, how he does nothing but work. 
You start to understand, listen, man, I know what a, a, a father's supposed to be like now because I know my heavenly father. I've been in the light. You start to see how your, your mother, right, never really spoke to you, never really encouraged you. She never really showed you love. You start to understand, oh, snap, that's not what a mother does. A mother's supposed to nurture me because you're in the light. You see darkness differently. So this is the thing. Now as the light, we, we don't go around saying, hey, man, like, you need to, you know, like, we start, we start writing stuff down like, hey, listen, this is what's wrong with your life. 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 You don't start all of a sudden getting a checkup, like, from the neck up all the way down saying this is what's wrong with you. You expose them by your light. That means your life exposes them. You begin to preach the gospel to them. You begin to show them the truth. You have a new view of the world. You understand the order of things. Why a father is supposed to be the provider for a family. Why a mother is supposed to nurture. You see things differently in the light. Then also you see your parents differently. There's a whole new view now. You no longer see the parents that you have as someone who's just over you, telling you what to do, about to hit you if you don't do it. No, you see them that God literally made you in their womb. You start to see that impor- the importance of that. You are in the light now. You see things differently in the world. You start to see people's problems differently, war and oppression. You understand that, listen, people need help. People need a savior. You start to care about people. When everyone's in the darkness, right, ain't no one really caring, right? Like, like, if, and I hope, I pray to God, none of you guys experienced this, but if you already have, let's say like, like a lot of people when they're in parties or whatever in the world, it's all dark. They can't really see. So someone's grinding on them. They don't even know who it is. Once you turn the lights on, they turn around. They get freaked out. And that's the whole thing with a lot of you guys. You guys are sitting in the darkness. Then all of a sudden the light turns on. You're like, dang, this is who I'm with? Like I said that thing about pornography, but I bet a lot of you guys are struggling with that right now. But you're like, ugh, 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 because the light got shine on you just a little bit. Then a lot of you guys, you guys got attitudes and everything, but the minute you get around someone who had a bad attitude when you've been exposed to light, you start to realize this person got a bad attitude. This person's a liar, but you were a liar. This person's a thief, but you've stolen. You've been, you've been now shown the light. You've been made a light, so now you see the darkness for it as you expose it. You don't just bump it in your rate. Like a lot of you guys, man, you guys will listen to music. Yeah, this is so, so funny. Some of the like, biggest feminists in the world. They'd be like, yeah, woman's rights. But then they straight listen to music that'd be degrading the heck out of woman. Why? Because they're still in the darkness. They're still in the darkness. So here's the thing, guys. When you are now put into the light, you become a light, you see things differently. You not only view people differently, you view Christ differently. You view yourself differently. You view the world differently. And here's the thing, guys. You all could have this view All of you guys could have this view if you become a new creation. But here's the thing. A lot of you guys don't want this view. I can't force force you guys to have the same view that the Bible tells you to have because it didn't happen to me like that. But here's the thing, guys. Your view, what is it going to lead you to? What is it going to lead you when you're thinking, man, it's okay. Listen, I'm going to be real frank with you guys. When you're watching pornography and you keep watching, don't you know that's how most uh, rapists started? Don't you know that? That most, most rapists, they start off watching pornography. They start off watching pornography. They start off lusting. No matter of fact, it goes even deeper. They start off lusting after one girl. Man, I want to have sex with that girl. Can't have her. Pornography. Oh, not real. I'm going to start lusting after this person. They start to think about it. Then all of a sudden, they do it. Check the documentaries. That's what happens. 
That's how murder starts. You view people, you hate them. You're like, I can't hate them. They're not made in the image of God. You start to hate them more. They're just worthless. I wish they would never be alive. Then you start to think about beating them up. Then you beat them up. Then after you're done beating them up, you kill them. And that's why there's some women that get abused by their husbands all the time. Right? And it, it all started when they were in school. They're just your age. Think about that. All the serial killers, all the rapists, everybody. Guess how? All Hitler, you know how old he was when he was your age? Your age. He was your age. And guess what? He was probably maybe sitting, because, you know, at first, Hitler, you know, he probably grew up in the Catholic Church. So, you know, the father's giving him the, the communion and everything. But little did he know, the same guy he's giving communion is going to kill six million Jews. Six million Jews. So here's the thing, guys. I'm not saying you guys are going to become the next Hitler or whatever. I'm not speaking that at all. I believe you guys are going to become the next presidents or whatever, or secretaries, or lawyers, accountants, pastors. I'm going I'm to proclaim that in Jesus' name. But, but here's the thing, dude, is that it, it all starts how you view the world. It all starts how you view the world. If you don't view the person next to you as your neighbor, why not hate them? If you don't view them as made in the image of God and they're just some animal, why not hate them? If, if you don't view sexuality as, as, as uh, homosexuality as sin, what's wrong with pedophilia? What's wrong with that? If a man can be a man, right, if a man can be a woman and just say that, why can't a man be a child? And why can't that man who says he's a child love another child? Yeah, but it, that's a slippery slope, how you view the world. So here's the thing. You have to view the world how the Bible does or you'll have nothing to view. You have nothing to view. You'll be stuck in darkness. So in closing, if I can have Stephanie come up. And if I can have the altar workers come up, you guys can stay seated for a little bit. If you can put Romans 12, verse 1, come up here, uh, up there. Listen, guys, I know, I know today was a little bit teaching. You're like, man, dude, you told me so many things about how to view things and new view and all these things rhymed. But I'm telling you this because it is important. You need to have a new view. You need to view the world like Christ views the world, how God views the world. So here's the thing, guys. We're going to have an altar call, but I need you guys to be honest. And instead of feeling bad about yourself, and I know right now it's a, it's a stumbling block maybe. You're hearing this, and you're like, man, I really don't want to go up there. I really don't want to receive Jesus. I don't want to, you know, I don't even want to pray in my seat. I really just want to leave because this may be true, but I ain't changing. That might be what you're thinking, but I'll tell you right now, do not view that. It says right here, in view of God's mercy. Have a view of God's mercy. So right now when I pray and I call you guys up, I really want you to view God's mercy. That he's willing to forgive you. That he's willing to give you a new view. That he's willing to save you from your sin. Save you from the darkness. Bring you into the light. Show you a whole new world. He's willing to be your cornerstone. But you got to view his mercy. So if everybody can stand... And everybody can close their eyes and bow their heads. It says right here, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Listen, in view of God's mercy, just offer your bodies as living sacrifice. That means offer your entire lives. 
offer it. Every, in, every part of your life, offer it to God. Offer it to Him. Give it to Him. It doesn't matter anymore what you did before. God has mercy for you. He is willing to change you, give you a new view if, you, if you're struggling with depression, and that's why you're sinning. If you're struggling with hatred and bitterness, listen, God's mercy is for you. You are not too good for God's mercy. You're not too good for it. He offers it to you. Just offer your bodies as living sacrifice, and God will give you a new view of the world. So please, still with eyes closed and, and, and heads bowed, I want you guys to start to think of things. Start to think of things, how you view things, how you view people. How have you been viewing yourself? How many times do you look in the mirror and hate yourself? Hate how you look. Start to look at others and say, I want to look like them. Start to view things differently. Ask God to give you a new view of yourself. How many times do you view other people and say, man, God, I don't, I don't know why. I, I hate this person. I can't stand this person. Whether it be your brother, your sister, people in your school. right? How, how, some of us need a new view of our schools, Amen. And then how do you view the world? Are you just like the world, seeing everything that comes out, homosexuality, drugs being legalized, all these things happening, rappers having sex with multiple women, and you're like, I want that, God. I want that. And you're praying for it, right? You need a new view of the world. You need a new view of the world. So, Lord, God, I ask you, Lord, Lord, actually, first, I want to thank you, God, because you view us differently. Lord, I thank you for your view of us, God. That, Lord, you did not just cast us aside. You don't just reject us, Lord. You don't just turn away from us, God. But, Lord, you listen to our prayers. You know every hair that's on our head, God. Lord, I thank you for the view that you have on us. For seeing us as children. For seeing us as beloved, God. I thank you, Lord. God, I ask you, Lord, for everyone here that we would have a different view, that we would have a new view, that we would no longer view others from a worldly point of view. We would no longer view Christ from a worldly point of view, that he would no longer be a stumbling block or foolish, but he would be precious, God. Oh, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would make it clear that Christ is precious, that he is deserving of worship, he is deserving of praise, that he is glorious. That he is greater than the most money in the world. That he is greater than every pleasure in this world. God, and I ask you, Lord, that you would give them a new view of this world. How they view this world and the problems it's going through. How they view the the school that they go to and and the atmosphere in it, Lord. Lord, God, I pray, Lord, for those that don't know you, that they would have a view of your mercy. And Lord, I pray for those that have been, viewing, have been viewing things differently. They're children of God. They've been in the light, but they're not exposing the deeds of darkness. I pray right now that they would expose them, Lord. That when they hear thoughts from the Satan or they hear thoughts from the world, they don't just accept it as lies, but instead they expose them. They expose them knowing the truth, Lord. Lord, let no one leave with the same old view, God. Let everyone leave with a new view of the gospel, a new view of you, Jesus, a new view of others. So I want to call everyone up, and still in an attitude of prayer, as Stephanie begins to sing, I want to call everyone up that does not know God, that has just known him to be a stumbling block, known him to be foolish. I want you to come up and receive prayer.